Good day to you. This is Michael Ramey, Executive Director of the Parental Rights Foundation and ParentalRights.org. Today I'm joined by Parental Rights Foundation Board Member and Detroit Area Attorney Allison Fulmar. Allison, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. Uh, before we dive in, I'd just like to remind our listeners about our upcoming guests. Uh, next week we'll have UNC School of Law Professor Maxine Eichner, whose articles on parental rights uh, have appeared in a number of publications, including the New York Times Sunday edition. Max's daughter has mitochondrial disease, so Max knows about the difficulties parents face when dealing with the medical establishment to try to find a rare diagnosis. And then in our next show, we'll feature Melissa Michella, who is an assistant professor of philosophy at the Catholic University of America and the author of To Whom Do Children Belong? You can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes or Spotify or find it on our website, parentalrightsfoundation.org, and you can support the podcast with your online donation at parentalrightsfoundation.org as well. So that's what's coming up. Now today, again, we're here with Allison Fomar. Uh, Allison, as I recall, you didn't start off as a family lawyer. You're a defense attorney. So tell us about the court case, a nationally famous court case that dragged you into the family courts. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, my undergraduate degree is actually in criminal law, and uh, I start out seeking justice um, with constitutional rights and defense of, of others and unjust uh, convictions and, and that type of thing. And so um, on that fateful day in March of 2011, um, I received a call uh, at, at about, I don't know, one one thirty in the morning that um, I already heard on one of our local news stations, but there was something, Michael, that struck a chord with me when I first heard uh, it on the radio that there was a mom defending her child because that the mom refused to allow the child to go with child protective services because child protective services uh, wanted the child to take a certain medication or antipsychotic drug. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, why are they trying to force that? And it really, I mean, literally my mom and I and my daughter, we were driving back from Chicago. I was kind of like on a little mini uh, vacation there. And uh, <clears throat> So something just—I uh, heard it, and never in a million years did I think I'd be a part of it again. So I go home. I'm a little bit late. My dad back from Chicago, and I get a call. And typically, my phone—I always put my phone on silent, or it's either off or something of that nature um, when I'm asleep. And so I—I I, I don't know how my phone. Uh, was on, and I, I know now that truly it was the grace of God um, that just wanted me to receive that call, and it was just Deborah Thomas, an amazing judge uh, who stands on the Constitution. Um, she's very much um, a uh, she's a grassroots type of uh, judge, very in touch with her. With her in the community here in the Detroit metropolitan area. And uh, she said to Allison, I, I'm literally in a mobile command center with the uh, deputy police chief and uh, people in the community. And this mom, um, she said, I don't know what's going on, but it just doesn't 
something not add up here with respect to child protective services and their demands on this mom. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to stop the police from completely overtaking her home, and and um, they had already tried to bust into the side door, and. and uh, and so, in the midst of me waking up here and all of this, I'm like, you said, they're, I said, you said they're trying to take her child? And she said, yes. And I said, no, absolutely, that don't help. What, what do you need me to do? And so, she says, well, she's probably, I'm sure she's going to be facing criminal charges for uh, holding off the police and barricading herself in the home to, to protect her daughter. So, um, you know, if you can do that. So I really came in the case not as uh, someone that would walk her through the juvenile court system with her child, but as a criminal defense lawyer, um, Judge Thomas knowing that, you know, I, I was an outstanding criminal defense lawyer. So we, uh, so the next morning, I, I contacted her family and, you know, it it, it's just, it's still, years later, it boggles my mind and my spirit that uh, the the government, by way of child protective services, could, um, well, let me let me back up. So this, this was a mom who, her daughter, you know, I, I don't know if they were trying to say her daughter was on the uh, autism spectrum or or what happened. That is not the case. She was evaluated. That, that was not the case. But what we do know is that after they loaded her up with uh, Ariana, who was then, I think, 13 at the time, uh, Ariana wanted to go back to public school because Marianne had been homeschooling her because uh, she had a prosthetic leg. She had a prosthetic leg. And there had been some trouble in school, and that if there was an incident, that this was not a good incident with Ariana's leg coming out at school. And it, it pretty much traumatized Ariana and uh, the whole public school, um, you know, how that worked. So she, um, she, she started home, she was homeschooled for two years. And Ariana said she wanted to go back to, she said, Mom, I'm ready to go back to public school now. So they said, well, you have to vaccinate her. And so I guess for better judgment, um, Marianne went with uh, going to get her, get her vaccinated. And, I mean, they must have gave her three, four, five shots all at one time. Mm. And right after that, um, she just... Um, she was lethargic. Um, she, she couldn't get through her Christmas play. She couldn't remember her lines. Everything about Ariana changed in a moment's notice. Wow. And after being loaded up with all these vaccines. And so, uh, so she, uh, you know, she didn't know what was going on. So she, after a few weeks, she said, well, I, 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 uh, this is not my daughter, and I don't know what's happening. And so um, she took her to Children's Hospital here in Detroit, and um, they responded to her. You know, they have these referral, uh, these county contracts 
with um, various uh, mental health agencies, and you know, I essentially she got referred down the river, is what I call it, because she didn't have a clue. She didn't. She did not need to be uh, have this type of referral, um, but it was to a, a, a agency that um, had had Ariana evaluated and said essentially that she needed to go to hospital. And uh, this is a known drug that has a black box uh, warning with the FDA. It is not uh, being prescribed for use in children um, and uh, a host of other uh, real concerns, uh, dangers, and horrific side effects with this drug. I mean, this drug makes boys grow breath. There are mm. multiple of lawsuits against the pharmaceutical company for uh, the side effects that it has on um, on boys. Why they give it to children, I don't know, but it, it, that's not the recommended use. And so this is the drug. Now, now if you think about it, if it's making a boy grow breath, what is it doing to the hormones and the and, and the brain of a of a young child age thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um so um so she she says, Well, you know, I'm just like any parent would, you know, she said, Okay, all right, well, uh, you know, the doctors are this is what they're saying, I want my child to get better. Um, I trust the system, I trust the medical system, I trust uh, she didn't at the time know that she was in any governmental program at all. She didn't sign up for anything. Um, she was not something for um, Medicaid or any, anything like that. This is just a different Now, if you ask me, I think if she would have had food class or HAP or some other uh, insurance, she probably would not have been referred to this agency. But because she did, um, this is where they referred her. And so, um, after several days, she saw that this drug was just horrible for Ariana. She was aggressive. She became very agitated. And um, she would throw things. And that was not Ariana's personality at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so she went back to them and said, um, you know, we need to wean my child off of this drug. And or, uh, I, I don't know, I know you, you can't just, you know, pull turkey, take her off of it, but, you know, can we reduce the dosage or cut it in half or something? I mean, we, we have to wean her off of it. And they uh, said, well, no. You, we're not, you can't produce the dosage. You have to stick with the program, stick with the protocol. Now, at the time, Mary Nan signed uh, informed consent. And that, of course, indicated that I understand that there are no guarantees with this drug. I understand that I cannot be forced to take this drug, meaning on behalf of her child. Mm-hmm. So no one was supposed to be forced in how to do anything against their will. Uh, it was supposed to be a voluntary uh, withdrawal from the, from the 
So the use of this drug is she saw that it was advertising what she was trying to do and was met with great opposition to the extent that she was supported or essentially being medically negligent for not continuing the um, the use of this horrific drug. Wow. So now she gets a knock at the door. She doesn't need to meet with a team of anyone. 
rubber stamp. I mean, literally a physical yes, rubber stamp. Yes, yes, it was a rubber stamp. And, well, she claimed in testimony, she claimed she didn't do it. It was a probation officer. And here in Wayne County, judges would use the emergency, uh, this emergency process, at this quote-unquote after-hours emergency process, where if it was after basically 1 o'clock, first of all, I don't know how that's the emergency you're a judge, you should still be working on the bench. Right. So you should be there to review and sign a an emergency removal order. And so um, she she had this thing signed, this, this document signed, and later that day, it was a Thursday, she went to the door with the assistance of a Detroit police officer who is not to accommodate a county worker on such a run, okay, it is completely not in their policy. They are not in the church police department, and they testified to that. It's not our policy to accommodate a, a county worker in the so-called exercise of her duties. That is for a county sheriff to do, and there's a process for that, and there's a reason why. So, uh, but that's what began this standoff, quote unquote, standoff situation. Marianne barricaded herself in her home. But she's, I mean, Marianne, and Michael, you've met Marianne. I mean, mm-hmm. Marianne may have been five foot three. I don't know. She may not even been five foot three, five two. I don't know. She's really tiny. Yeah. Um, and she had the wherewithal to put a refrigerator against the back door when they were trying to kick in wow. her back door because he had to go through two doors. And so uh, she refused to allow her child to go out, and that's what started this "quote unquote" standoff. And as you as you know, there were helicopters, SWAT teams, and a military grade tank, mm-hmm. um, all to, I mean. Marianne, if, if she was, she could have and was prepared to lose her life if she needed to, to protect 
her child from what she knew not only was a harmful drug, but a system that systematically um, endangers the lives of abandoned children. And so she um, she refused to open the door, of course. They knocked on the door. And they didn't even have the court order when they knocked on the door. And she, she opened the door, and she said, no, I'm not, but, you know, they said, well, let, let me speak to your child. She said, no, I'm, I'm not going to let you speak to my child. She was at home cooking. Ariana was listening to classical music, and everybody was fine. And, um, and then the knock on the door came, and everything that came after that is, is what made history. Um, right. So uh, there's this, I mean, these people are either waiting for down, like, you will come out of that house with the child. And uh, the CPS worker was there, and she even testified that she uh, wanted to put the child, quote-unquote, in the cage. And what she meant by that was she wanted a squad car. Well, I specifically asked her, why did you do that Detroit police? Because I wanted to put Do I remember she right? Stood on ground, and where this woman got this kind of courage, uh-huh. I will never know. But she meant that you are not coming in here taking my child. Right. The state does not own my child. Right. Um. So she, after being on the phone with different people and community activists, and and and. And the, and the judge negotiating in this mobile command center uh, with the sharpshooters saying, okay, she'll send her child, but you have to promise 
and she's going to go with her sister Penny, okay? Because we were explaining the process. We have to have her be checked out. We're going to take her to the hospital, yada, yada. And she says, okay, you know, but only with my sister. This is only with my sister. Long story short, um, they, they, once they got Ariana to the hospital, and that's what calmed the the standoff, so to speak. Um, At the hospital, they locked Penny out of the hospital door, and they switched. They had her go out, and they literally switched rooms that Ariana was in so that we, so by the time I got down there that next, let's see, that was, yeah, the next morning, the final morning, by the time I got there, Nobody knew where Ariana was. No, no one. From that point, we lost track of her after they locked Penny, her sister, out of the room. Wow. And so um, we didn't know where Ariana was, and so we're there. And then Ariana's dad was there, and so no one knew where Ariana was. And we said, "Well, we know she's here." She said, "Nope, not on the roster." not listed in the hospital. She said, no, she's here. We've got to be here. And then they sent us over to a little community court where they hold a hearing. And they said, no, she's not on the law. Forget about this. By the time we'll pick up the clock at night on Friday, guys. And they said, no, she's not here. And this was with Amelia. And after she allowed Ariana to go with Penny, they arrested her, of course, mm-hmm. and I, so they took Marianne to jail. Ariana's at the hospital. Nobody can find her now. Um, later in the evening, we go to the community court. There's no hearing. Um, and then the next morning, they said, they said okay, well, it wasn't a hearing today. There'll be a hearing tomorrow morning. That was supposed to be Saturday morning. So we go to what we thought was supposed to be the hearing, and there's no hearing. And so I said, somebody needs to tell me where Ariana Gaboldo, Hakeem Gaboldo is now. And so they said, well, she's at Hawthorne, which is a pediatric psychiatric facility. Um, And so they took her... So then we get to Hawthorne, and then Hawthorne says, well, no, we, she, we don't know. We don't think we have that person. Who? What? What's her name? We don't know. We don't have Ariana. And um, that's when I started making calls to community activists, and I made a call to a judge who would happen to be the on-call judge at that time because the, 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 the CPS worker had another judge to sign an order to, to, to medicate the child without any hearing, without any um, due process, they get to drug this child with a drug that could kill her. Wow. And so I, um, so I, that's when I, I, so I said, you know what? I said, I'll tell you what, I know Ariana's here. You, sir, Meaning the director of the of the uh, psychiatric facility, 
And uh, but child protective services changed its policy. Uh, well, first of all, several policies changed um, because the Supreme Court said that juvenile judges can no longer delegate uh, and have their name on a rubber stamp for uh, someone else to delegate a need. And so that changed, and they brought right. every judge down at the juvenile court iPad so that they can read their own petition and sign it, electronically sign it. Imagine themselves. that. Um, so that policy changed. And then uh, the policy where a parent has the right, because of the fact that a parent has a constitutional right to choose the course of medical treatment for their child, absent any, any neglect or abuse, and that's what we moved here, is that it's just that, you know, because we have, uh, we have the power of a, tax, of a false accusation just wreaks years of destruction on families, as you all well know. And um, so CPS changed its policy and said, a parent has a right to choose a child is on um, any uh, mind-altering drug and the the uh, parent chooses not to give that child a child that drug. Then now they use drugs such as uh, Ritalin and those types of drugs, mm-hmm. but they didn't they didn't go into the deeper drugs. But that was a start there. So, right. as you know, I've been doing these cases all around the country since the, um, uh, you know, whether it's a parent who does not want their child to have um, certain uh, chemotherapy for cancer, uh, children who have certain types of cancer, uh, to uh, parents who want holistic treatments for their children, uh, to parents who do not choose to vaccinate their children. I represented them all, and we've had great, great victories, but there's so much yet that needs to be done in this area. Legislation needs to be changed. We need to have the criminal rights, uh, the Constitution, the amendment to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It's so many things that we, as the, first of all, the judiciary, needs to, um, to do their job and leave not rubber stamp. CPS when they walk in the door, obviously. So right. I could go on and on. I don't know how much time I'm taking up, but yeah. yeah. So that's what I get to today. <laughs> okay. No, that's good. So, um, and that, and that's good. It's good to hear those policy changes that have taken place because of that. Obviously, it was a terrible thing for the family. At least some good has come out of it. Um, now, Mary Ann, um, she didn't make it through that whole struggle, did she? No, unfortunately. Um, and we, we have said that she was almost prosecuted to death. Um, the court of literally the night before this was, I think this was in 2017, 2016. Um, these appeals were still going on. Right. And um, Ann, uh the night before her blood pressure was like 200 and something over something. And 
she um, she had an aneurysm, and yeah. she never recovered from that. Right. Um, and so I, you know, uh, there's a whole lot of salt and blame to, to be placed um, in this process. But I will say that um, Ariana is uh, with her with her aunt. Um, obviously, she's devastated from the loss of her mom. Yeah, obviously. But what she knows is that she has a warrior of a mom who refused to give up the fight for her parental rights. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I think we're all the better for it. It yes. has opened the door and the and the the understanding to so many parents around this country that you can stand up and fight and win. Uh, it's a process, but you must stand up firm for what you know is right for your child. Right. Right. Yeah, so Marianne Gabaldo, for those who don't know the name, it really, I mean, hopefully they know better now. She really is something of a martyr for the cause of parental rights in America, um, standing yeah. up for her daughter. And then, like you said, they essentially prosecuted her to death. They kept bringing the same charges again and again uh, until she had that stroke and, and was uh, completely debilitated by that. And um, they finally dropped the charges when it was clear she was never going to recover. Um, right. So that's, that is a tragedy, but good has come from it. Um, and these changes of policy, rubber stamping a court order, that is just crazy. That's the kind of thing that never should have right. been. And we're glad that's, that's done. Absolutely. Well, Allison, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your time. We're, about, um, we're about at our point of wrapping up. So uh, let me just take a moment and say our next show, uh, we'll be talking with Maxine Eichner about parental rights and rare diseases. And you'll find that and more episodes on iTunes, Spotify, or on our websites, parentalrights.org or parentalrightsfoundation.org. You can also support our work with a donation at either site, parentalrights.org or parentalrightsfoundation.org. Together, we can protect children by empowering parents. Allison, thank you again so much for being with us today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And until next week.